my dad is 72. And then my son is like two and I'm 37. So I'm like the half, I'm the Rihanna halftime show. But, you know. And they're both on like two ends of the couch, like on the iPad doing the same thing, being like, eh, like they're both angry at the iPad and I'm just in the middle. Oh, I love this. But I'm hurtling towards this. I'm hurtling towards, towards not your father. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Like it's good. It, it, this is the way it's going to end. Yeah. What are you doing in between in, that? Yeah. I know. yeah. This is getting too heavy. Um, <laughs> this is getting, this is getting like, so I real. I love it though. I love it. No, really? I, are you kidding me? This, this is my favorite part. This is my favorite part. <laughs> this is not very funny. No, this I love this. Sad. And I, I think this, I hope this is what your next hour is about. That is the voice of the great Hassan Minhaj. Um, I love this episode. When he was on the podcast, he was actually one of our original guests in 2020. And it was such a popular episode. But not only that, whenever people ask like, oh, there's 110 episodes, like which one should I start with? I always tell people that one is the best one to start with because he's so good at talking through the logic of jokes and sort of like when you're talking to him, you understand sort of where jokes come from. And, and so this episode is really unique in the sense that there is no defined like in beginning of our, our conversation or the slow round or the material section. It just is all one like super mashup of all of those things. And so in some ways, that's sort of the dream of what the podcast would be. Two comedians riffing on stuff, telling stories and kind of just finding out what they could talk about. There's actually a story he tells about Disneyland today where afterwards I was like, have you been telling that on stage? And he was like, no. I was like, that story's amazing. Like, you gotta tell that on stage, which is which is really at the heart of like comedians, how comedians talk to each other when they're close friends, which is hearing what people say and just <laughs> essentially trying to convince them um, when they really like a certain story or joke, like you, you should really tell it on stage. He's just a great, great talker, a great storyteller. He interviewed Obama, Barack Obama recently. And uh, we, I asked him about that. It's a great, great chat. So I'm really hoping you like it. I just finished a run of The Old Man in the Pool in Edinburgh. Um, I'm about to head to the West End in London to do The Old Man and the Pool. It's the finale. I'm doing 30 performances over there. And then I'm going to be back doing an all-new show uh, in Boston. I actually just am adding this week a 7th and 8th show at the Wilbur Theater in Boston, I'm entitling the show Christmas Parmesan. It's got a few Christmas jokes, but mostly it's just my new hour of comedy. Uh, I'll also be performing my new hour of comedy in Vancouver as well as uh, Seattle. Actually, we just added another Saturday show in Seattle. I love the Moore Theater. So get tickets to that if you're nearby, as well as we just added a third and final show in Walla Walla, Washington, which is a town that I have a lot of history with. Uh, we added a second show in Portland, Oregon. Uh, all this is at umberbigs.com. The best way to find out, this is the, the way you get the best tickets, is sign up for the mailing list on umberbigs.com. I've had this mailing list for 20 years. It's always the first, first, first place where I tell people how to get the code for the best tickets to all the shows. And thank you so much for coming out to these shows. You can watch this episode, by the way. You can watch it on YouTube. The one that people have been watching like crazy is the Jim Gaffigan episode. Um, that's on YouTube. It's a really fun one. You can watch this one on. And um, just enjoy my conversation with the great 
Hassan Minhaj. You are currently working on your third hour. Yes. And, that I um, want to do as a special. And this is your favorite part? This moment right now is my favorite part of the process. Yeah. Why? Describe that to me. Uh, it is all blue sky and possibility. Yeah. And uh, it could be anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's parts of it where for people that, that aren't comedians that are listening to this, it your show gets to a certain point where it pretty much is what it is. And then you just have to hit like, um, human retweet every night. Oh, interesting. You're like Chicago Theater, eight o'clock, retweet it. That's really interesting. So yeah. whereas now it is the creation period. Yeah. Anything's possible. Put the beginning, yeah, do do your do the beginning at the front. Right. You know what? Actually, don't even do your closer. Right. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm gonna go back and forth. This is the this is the way my mind works between a basketball basketball analogies and comedy. Okay. And and my friends make fun of me that about this and they're like, why do you do that? And I'm like, it's the only two things like I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna just like jump to a, another sort of metaphor. So when you're when you start out, you like learn like very basic fundamentals. Where they go, hey, you have the mic and the mic stand. Don't okay. keep the mic stand in front of you. Right. So there's like early performances of me at the Sacramento Punchline, and there's like a fucking mic stand in front of me, and mm. like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, it's very basic. Like, put the mic stand behind you and continue. Right. Right. Um, early lessons in stand-up comedy. Very early lessons yeah. or whatever. Same thing with like just shooting form, just like, okay, get, get it in a pocket here. Use this as a guiding thing. Yeah, and just follow through versus like when you go play pickup, say on West 4th and there's a guy in like khakis and dress shoes just straight up doing anything and everything. And you're like, oh, I think this guy's here for cardio or he's having some sort of mental breakdown and he's right. playing pickup with us right now. Right. He doesn't really play basketball. Right. I think you can tell me. By, yeah, sure, sure. Or you can tell by like the way they like shoot, like, oh, they're shooting from here. Or oh, right. Yeah, there's no fo- So the basics, form. the fundamentals. Yeah, same with stand-up. Okay. All of that's really important. But at the same time, things can be so rigid and comedy class-ish. Yeah. It becomes- Set up punch, tag, tag. Yeah, it becomes predictable. Yeah. It becomes, I expect and I already know what's going to happen. Yeah. And one of the, the things that you love or I love most about art and the form, at least the form of comedy is like, you got to surprise me a little you bit. You have to. There has to be something here that subverts my expectations. This is such an important, any creatives listening, yes. this is such a great universal for all art. Yes. Which is surprise. Yes. You have to. Yes. And I agree with you. So, so there's the bread and butter things that mm-hmm. you want to have in order. You want to have jokes. You want to have stories. You want to have some kind of structure. But you also, you have to have a spontaneity to it. Correct. Yeah. Spont- spontaneity. And then- Another thing that I felt like, oh, I got to work on this a little bit more and I have to be deliberate about it, um, is this feeling of like fun. Yeah. Um, and you get to a certain level and you got to do so many shows yeah. on the road and you're like, you're just jamming the show into like, oh, it's got to be this and this has to cl- close cleanly and then go to this, go to yeah. this, go to this, which is all very well and important. Yeah. But I don't know if you've experienced this. You can also become a caricature of yourself. Yeah. Of like, Birbiglia is going to do the Birbiglia thing and he's going to Birbiglia his way out of it. You had Jim it's, on this. Gavigan yeah, will have yeah. a Gavigan way out yeah, of it. Yeah. Mulaney, I will, we'll all have our moves. And you're not defying expectations. In fact, you're just delivering yeah, straight I up know. on expectations. Yeah. Um, 
and then this is for me personally, is uh, like, are you surprising yourself? And there was times, especially on the last tour, I was not having fun on the road. Yeah, like, this is actually isn't fun. Yeah, um, and I'm not like surprising myself in new ways. Yeah, in discovering new things. And to go back to basketball, did you see the new, the Steph Curry doc on Apple? No, TV Plus. I can't wait now. Oh, it's great. Now that it's, you're saying it's really, it. really, really wonderful and fantastic. But one of the things I I hate about Curry being a Sacramento Kings fan is I hate the Warriors and the Lakers because the Bay and LA always shit on Sacramento. Yeah, yeah. We're a very common punchline. That being said, as Steph is entering this final chapter of his career, I do have to give him props and be like, you're fucking amazing. Yeah. You're great. But more importantly, and the thing, the lesson that it took away from him is he's having so much fucking fun. Wow. And when I watch him play, I'm like, oh, he's not doing the set. Fuck, he's not doing the set. Interesting. In fact, he's like doing the Sunday brunch set while Esty's watching and being like, oh, my set? Goodbye. <laughs> oh, he's doing the Montreal showcase while Robbie's <laughs> in the room at comics. <laughs> and you're, you're using and, so many and, names that people don't and know. And he's fucking punting it. <laughs> he's okay. like, oh, this. So oh, you're this. saying yeah. Steph Curry in basketball is doing the equivalent of in stand-up comedy, doing a set, throwing away your set list. yeah. yeah disregarding whether the booker for Montreal or the booker for the comedy seller the is stage. watching you yes. on the biggest stage. Yes. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, while his like mouth guard is like hanging out of his mouth like this, being like, oh, I'm not even trying right now, by the way. Oh, you're wearing a mouth guard for protect. It's, it's as if a quarterback were to do a play in the fourth quarter and yeah. have his helmet just hanging off his head. Be like, oh, I'm not even going to pull it down. I don't care. All that is to say is it was inspiring. It made me realize oh, this thing should also be extremely fun and it should be playful. And um, I think the place that, and I, I did this very much following in your footsteps, there was a, a part of me that really wanted to honor the form and the function of what this is. Um, and in the process of that, I may have lost a little bit of like, just like the pure unbridled yeah. joy and fun of it. The wow. looseness, yeah. the looseness of it. It's so inspiring talking to you. I'm so glad that, we, that we're meeting up today. This has really given me a fire. Why, why is this so inspiring? I always find you so inspiring. In what, but what, because I love your work. Okay. And then when you talk, when we're just talking, this is, might as well not be rolling camera, rolling sound. Uh -huh. Like this is just how we talk. Yes. And that was the goal of the podcast in the first place. Totally. Is like, what's it like behind the scenes with two people who create stuff? Yeah. And how does that affect your life? How does that affect your work or whatever? And so I love that. I love that you're sharing this with me because also like selfishly, I'm like, oh, this is going to push me into writing my next hour right now and writing my next movie right now because I'm exactly the same place. Like 40 minutes is hot of my new hour. I was yeah. just at a club in New Jersey this weekend. I was like, 40 minutes is ready to go. And mm. it's like, What's the other? What's the other forty? And what's the arc? Right for me, that's what it is. Yeah, but like with with your specials, they have an arc. They bring you on a journey with you. Yes. Some very few stand up comedians, Neil Brennan and you and me and uh, Hannah Gadsby. Look, there's a Hannah. Alex, handful, there's, a, it's quite Alex a lot yeah. there's a handful of people, and in the UK, there's a lot, a whole right, lot yeah. who do these shows that are shows. It's like. And a lot of times people ask me this, and I'll, I'll say the same thing to you. Why? I have my own answer. I'm curious why you do it. Oh, interesting. 
Um, As opposed to just doing an hour of straight stand-up. Yeah, for me, at least the the um, selfishly, I was trying to be as like green room, I'm hanging with my friends, conversational, funny, and interesting on yeah. stage. Yeah. So like there were times that I felt like when I would talk to people about comedy or about my set or the thing that I'm working on, they'd be like, oh, that's really interesting. Uh, but kind of like my Rooster Tea Feathers seven minute set could not capture that. Yes. So it's like, how do I show you how interesting my mind? And again, the audience is like, what's Rooster, Rooster Tea Feathers? Rooster Tea Feathers. So Rooster Tea Feathers is a comedy is club in Sunnyvale, Cal- yeah, yeah, California. That, that famously does not have a green room. You actually have to like Rooster Tea hang out. I can't in, we work in places in called Rooster, Rooster Tea Feathers. feathers yeah, and next go to bananas. Next to a tire shop. In the stress yeah, factory. Yeah, like, what do. are we doing? Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, but I, I also there's love There's a photo that. of you in Rooster Tea Feathers. There's a photo of Jerry Seinfeld, yeah, in Rooster Tea Feathers, yeah. Wow. Yeah, from like the, like like a like a booklet from like 1981 or something like that. Yeah. That's so funny. Well, you know that yours in my history goes to Montreal Comedy Festival. You did New Faces as yeah. well as a gala. And I want to say it was like 2013 yeah. ish. And you were so cool to me. You're very nice to me. Well, yeah. it was funny because. I mean, it's selfishly nice. I didn't know you. I just saw you on stage in real time. I uh-huh. go, this guy's hilarious, which is the best way to, as a comedian, it's the best way to meet somebody. Uh-huh. You don't have to fake a compliment. Yeah, yeah. When you meet them, you go, hey, Grace, huh? <laughs> okay, all right. That was good. Oh, yeah, yeah, That was yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because it's, like, it's the greatest gift when someone's hilarious. That's very cool. And you Thank were you. Y- a young kid, and I was just able to be like, yeah. dude, come on, you Amazing, uh-huh. amazing comic. Thank you. And then, and then I was like, "Where are you from?" And you were like, "Davis." I go, uh-huh. "Playing Davis in like two months. Center, you should come. Yeah, yeah. You should come open for me if you want." Uh-huh. You go, "Absolutely." Uh-huh. Cut to you get the Daily Show. Like three weeks later, you're like, "Hey, man, I'm moving to New York." I can't yeah, do it. I'm yeah, but can my pa- be on the Daily Show? But can my parents get tickets? And they did go. They loved the show. Yeah. And so we met then. Yeah. Here's what I always I always think about working it out in relation to, if you have this person here, what's your burning question? Uh My burning question for you is, you had success fast. Uh What did it feel like to have people resent you? Because they probably did. Mm. So I was 30 when we met. So I wasn't- Yeah, you're young. Is that young for comedy to make it? Come on. 30? 30 is like, (sighs) I think young. I mean, if you, you know, real young would be 24. Four, 25. Yeah, I mean, but- c- considering what, what I gave up. So I was supposed to go to law school and then I deferred and then denied my admission. Wow. So I basically like- Perfect for plot points. Burned the, I burned the boats. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at 25. Yeah. So the, the, that those five years before I, I you know, was a very uh, stressful time for me personally. 20 through 20, 20 through 25 through to 30. 25 through 30. Right. Because- at the time I was like, oh, you're so you you basically took a really great career path forward and you set it on fire. Yeah. You didn't do the part-time thing. You didn't go like, oh, I go to I'm an L1 student by day. Yeah. And I do stand up at night. Yeah. You really believe this is gonna work. Yeah. While, you know, you're a feature act occasionally at Tommy T's comedy club in Pleasant. <laughs> oh, love the name. Are you out of your mind? You know what I mean? Tommy so, T's. Tommy T's in Pleasanton. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so what was the cut, the cutoff was rejecting the acceptance into law school. Yeah, it was basically if you give yourself an out, you're always going to be like one foot in, one foot out. Yeah. You're going to do this part time. 
and everybody that I looked up to in the Bay that was like really serious about it, Ali Wong, Moshe Kasher, W. Kamau Bell, Arj Barker, all of them, they were like all in. Yeah. You know, and you know this, like when you're uh, coming up, there's the, okay, we all like this. We're all passionate about it. And then the, oh, he's like for real, for real, all, all yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I imagine from what I understand about you, you were that at Georgetown, right? Yeah, it was all, once I got into the improv group, I was all in on my whole life being comedy forevermore. Wow. Yeah. So that like 19. Yeah, 19. Wow. That was wild. That is wild. Yeah. Because it was, it was just a, it was just a real inflection point. It was okay. like a true kind of like, I want to do this. And then once I got the improv group friends, yeah. I was like, oh, these are my folks, you know, like, yeah. and I feel that. By the way, I'm 45. I feel that today still. Mm. Like when I see like you and Ronnie like going at each other. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Uh -huh. I'm like, that's why I love being a comedian. Yeah, it's the funnest. Like uh -huh. to me, it's like a it's like a life choice uh -huh. of like the types of people you like to be around, like to give each other a hard time. And it's I, I don't know but what I was gonna what I was gonna say about the Ronnie thing too is like you and I are close friends. But don't, we don't roast each other. No. And I was thinking today, I was like, what would be your roast of me? Oh, wow. Because I got a lot on you. I would have to, I, it, I would, if I had to do it, I would like do, I would, I would do an act out. It would have to yeah, be, yeah. it would be very physical and I'd have to take a joke and then I would like stretch it out. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I would like, I would kind of putter. I would putter up Putter. Yeah, putter. <laughs> Softly putter. Yeah. What I said was, ba -da -da -da. mine of you would just be like, literally what Trevor Noah said about you, which is like uh -huh. you and Bina are Indian Barbie and Ken. Right. Like you look too good. Like my thought about you is like, how long does it take you to get out of the house? Your hair looks perfect. <laughs> okay, okay. Everything, everything looks nice. Your uh -huh. shoes are perfect. Uh -huh. It's like, how long is it? What, is it? what does it take you, an hour? No, it doesn't take me an hour, but um, that's very sweet of you to say. That's very sweet of you to say. I'm just going to accept the couple. We don't need to go You're down this road. You're a beautiful rubble. couple. Oh, thank you. Yes. You're very beautiful. <laughs> With beautiful children. Yeah. I don't know. You know, there's certain people in your life. And by the way, I've, I people don't know this. People don't know. I'm going to say, you can cut this out. Okay. People don't know, know. People think you and Mulaney are like very nice guys, which you are. <laughs> but people don't know. You can fucking suplex people through tables. <laughs> yeah. Like if you play WCW for Zen WO on N64 and it's like reverse and then they fucking suplex you through a table. You are so good at being like, nice guy, nice guy. And then you tap, 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 tap. And then you like fucking reverse it and slam through a table. When I did the correspondence dinner, Dude, Mulaney could send, would send David Angelo and me these fucking haymakers. Oh, yeah. That would just no, Mulaney is body people. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal. And he would have 12. He could just like. Yeah. Yeah. Chat GPT, just like. For me, it's because. It was incredible. I came up at the cellar yeah. in the early 2000s just getting bullied by like Patrice O'Neill. Mm -hmm. Like. And Todd Lynn and all these guys who were like the great bullies. Yes. Like, like the greatest bullies the of greatest all time. The greatest ever, yeah. And so honestly, I didn't even really hold my own with them. 
I just stayed alive. Yeah. And by staying alive, I got good enough to just be like, all right. So what was your Tai Chi? Because were you at that moment? Because at that moment, you were probably like Mike Birbiglia, Conan, um, guitar set. Yeah, they we, and they would bring that up Isn't quite a that bit. Crazy, like I knew you before I knew you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like I like I was like oh yeah 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 the thing and then he had this like other special then this two drink mic and I like knew you and then now I know you like I have your number and I can text you and I can call it's you. It's truly bizarre, the whole thing. It's so surreal. No, I mean I I first of all I, I played guitar early in my career. I tried a lot of things. Uh-huh. Yeah. You try everything when you're starting out. I yeah. sounded like Mitch Hedberg. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you just copy everything you see. Sounded like Stephen Lynch for f- five minutes. Yes. Sounded like Mitch Hedberg for five minutes. Sounded like Greg Giraldo for five but minutes. But your story is so inspiring to me because of that. Oh, but but the, the thing that you have, the secret special skill you have, that I feel like you don't sort of brag about is like you did that Obama thing and like you made fun of his playlist from the year. It's oh. so funny. <laughs> All right. And it's so bold because like But is it though? But yes, Mike, is it? Yes. Because yeah, because I would be like, oh no, like what if he just cuts this off? Oh. You know what I mean? What if really? he just what if he goes cold? Okay. Don't you have that? Because you have a thing in your in your personality yeah. which isn't in your offstage personality, which is your shit starter. Your your onstage persona, like you start things. Uh-huh. Like that could be like that could have made it bad. Yes, it could. You asked like one of the most influential people in the last century. Yes. Like, hey, by the way, there's no way you watch and listen to all this stuff. Yeah. And like that could go badly. What were you thinking in that moment? What was the calculation? So the calculation in that moment is like what I try to bring to these interviews, whether it's like President Obama or Prime Minister Trudeau or whatever, there has to be this like, so I have a text thread with all my boys that we grew up in high school yeah. together. So we, yeah. we, we, we've played basketball since we were in middle school. We're called, yeah. hit, we're called Hit Squad, okay? We played in like basketball. I've heard of you. yeah, sure. Yeah, of course. You know Hit Squad. And you've obviously heard of what we've done at the 24-Hour Fitness Basketball Leagues and the Sacramento, Greater Sacramento area since the yeah, early 2000s. lesser known stuff, yeah, for sure. Of course, Hit Squad. <laughs> so Hit Squad, we are, we're on a text thread. But there's always this thing of like, what would Hit Squad ask of me if they knew I, you got to. I went to go meet Michael Jordan or I met Steven Spielberg? Yeah. They'd be like, how tall is he? When right. Gonna, they would always ask right. you that sort of thing. So I always approach it from a very like, come on, bro, level with me Yeah, thing. And from a place of like, I'm not here to get you. Yes. Like I'm not here on behalf of the wallstreetjournal.com right. to be like, Mr. Berbiglia, comedy's in an existential moment right now. And with the threat of democracy, do you feel like some of the, jo- and you're like, okay, you're trying to corner me right. into like yes. giving you a, a soundbite on cancel culture. Yes. Got it. Like I'm not interested in this. Yes. But if there was like, uh, I, I tried to approach it from like, a, it's a very like come on level with me question. Yeah. But it's also innocuous. It is a warm up joke. Oh, that's interesting. Do you really read all those books? Yeah. D- really? Like you read this book by Abdul Razak Gurna? Yeah. Okay. Mr. President, what happened in Tar? <laughs> what, what happened? What was your favorite thing uh, about Tar? And you cannot say Kate Blanchett. So explain Tar to me. That's very funny. And then if you can, then explain American healthcare to me. Like that sort of like, I love that. just level with me. And yeah. I think he could sense 
oh, he's like being real right now. Yeah. Like I'm just like, just fuck the lav mic. Like you you really read all those 10 books. Yeah. And Scribbs Riley is one of your favorite artists of 2020. Yes. Really? Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Did and, you come away from it believing that he had? Um, the moment that where I believed him is where he goes, dude, how much time we got? And I was like, oh, oh, I like tried to check your cred. And you're like, don't, I think the music stuff, he was like, I'll let it slide where he's like, you think you're the guys are the only ones that listen to music and you know, like, like irreverent stuff. But when I checked him on like, the, you don't read all that much. I think 44 felt, hey, 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 don't come at like my ability to read a briefing yeah. and like be an intellectually curious person. That's interesting. But my place was like, but we're both married guys with children. Like yeah. there's just too much. Right. Where's the time? Where's the fucking time? Yeah. You know. What, what wouldn't you ask him out of respect? So there was a thing at the very end of the interview called, let's not talk about it. Oh, really? Let's not talk about yeah. it. Yeah. But I, what I wanted to signal to him was like, I know yeah. this, each of these is like an hour and a half conversation, but let's not talk about it. Yeah. So I also cashed it in a joke. So I'd had, I had all these cards. And so one of the cards was like, was like Guantanamo Bay. Let's not talk about it. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, Edward Snowden. It's not, it's not yeah, yeah. It. Drone strikes in Pakistan at a wedding. Let's not talk about it. Oh my God. Let's just not talk about it. Oh my God. And then I was like, boxers, briefs, commandos in chief. And then he's like, let's not talk about it. I go, classified, I know. So what I did is like, what I wanted to do was each of these alone. They're major. Drone strikes is foreign policy yeah, and yeah. the war on terror, right? This, this alone is like a two and a half hour conversation. Of course. Let's not, but I need to, Snowden, like that alone, privacy and all yeah. that whistleblowing. That's a two hour conversation. Yeah. Um, Guantanamo, obviously, in his campaign was like my first day in office. I'm going to close it. Did not. I was like, yeah. okay, we don't need to talk about it. Yeah. But what I had to signal to him was like, I know. And to the audience, I know. Yeah. Because I also had to be like, you are a, sit a former sitting president. You do wield incredible amount of power. Uh, this isn't like a hashtag sponsored post. Yeah. I want this to be a meaningful conversation. This may be one of the only conversations I get with you in my life. Um, let's do this, for real. I don't have enough time to get into this, but I want to let you know that I know, and I want to let the audience know that I'm aware. And then uh, I buttoned it with the you know, boxers, briefs, commandos-in-chief joke. Here's my let's not talk about it. Okay. Just write down whether or not you're going to host the Daily Show. And then just- Oh, let's you, not talk you, about you, it. You, you can write, okay. write down your answer, and then you put it down, <laughs> okay, and the it. audience can only see sure, my sure, reaction sure, to sure, it. sure, sure. Sure. <laughs> okay. Okay. Got it. All right. Yeah. Good to know. This is what you expected, right? Good to know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Support for Working Out comes from Aura Frames. We all love taking photos on our phones, right? But there's so many of them. Hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of photos wasting away in your camera roll. Stop scrolling through so many photos. Start putting them to good use with a unique, stylish, digital picture frame from Aura Frames. I got one of them 
right by my bedside. It's like a slideshow of photos that I really like from my of my family that sort of scrolls through on this little frame, this little picture frame. I love it. Free unlimited storage. You can add unlimited photos and videos. Invite as many people as you want to a frame. There are absolutely no hidden fees or subscriptions, and it's private. You have complete control over who has access to your frame. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code WIO. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com, code WIO. Terms and conditions apply. Working It Out is supported by Squarespace. Squarespace is an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content. On beautiful video pages, you can even access your video library by adding a paywall to your content. My God, Squarespace is keeping up with the times. They're the forerunners of the industry. They're way ahead of us and right with us. I made up that slogan. I should point out that this is an ad for Squarespace, but I love Squarespace. Our website for Thank God for Jokes was Squarespace. Our website for Stand Up and Vote was Squarespace. Couldn't recommend it more highly. We use it all the time. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, head to squarespace.com slash burbigs, B-I-R-B-I-G-S, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash burbigs to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Speaking of fun, like this being the theme, so there's this photo of us at Andrews Air Force Base. We did this USO show with David Letterman, John Stewart, John Mulaney, Judd Apatow, and Mike Birbiglia. And then at the time... President Obama, the first lady, Joe Biden, and Jill Biden That's right. were there. And I remember, remember there was like a, a bus ride there and a bus ride after. Yes. We, and you're uh, referencing a photo on actually on my wall on of, your of wall. you and me and, and John Stewart and yeah. Letterman and Mulaney and, yeah. and Judd yes. at Andrews Air Force. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a yeah, there's a bus. And Kristen Shaw was in the bus yeah. with us. I'm, I'm remembering that. Yes. Yeah. And I remember at the end of like our sets, we were all like, did you do that? Like, how, no, 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 no. How yeah. like, like, we were all like super analyzing it. And there was this little part of me where I was like, ah, we're overthinking this a little bit too much because it's just a gig. And it's a USO gig. We've done this gig yeah. before. Yeah. In fact, like, this is light work for all of us. We know how to rip in front of this yeah. audience. And I wish there was this part of me that I was like, we need to act the way my dad did. So, Letterman was there, who's obviously a legend to all of us. And I, I remember there was like, there was people that kind of were like staying away from him that were like, hey, do yeah. we engage with him? Do we, like we weren't shooting the shit with him the way we were. I know. With the way we were all commiserating. Yeah. And then my dad straight up beelines and goes up to David Letterman and he's like, who is your favorite president to interview? Oh my God. You know? And he goes, I was going to guess Nixon. But who's your <laughs> but what I loved about like his just like, let's just get right to it attitude was he wasn't like, oh, that's one of the greatest late night hosts in history. Rarely does Letterman come back and do stand up. Like he was gonna, he was like yes. quasi hosting, yeah. you know? Um, do we, and remember he was like stretching. He was doing a lot of like stretches yeah, backstage. Yeah, and also by the way, it's funny you should mention that about yeah. your dad because the, yeah. other, the other person to talk to him was Mulaney's dad. Mm-hmm. 
So it was your dad and Mulaney's dad were the only people who actually had the nerve to go up and to talk, go talk to David to Letterman. But like, we're all surgeons and we're not gonna talk to this other surgeon. Like, do you yeah, know what I mean? And my we, dad would, would have talked to him if he was there too. I think it's honestly, yeah. people who are not in the field of entertainment are just kind of like, yeah, that's just some guy. Some guy. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Whereas we give a certain like distance yeah. to him. And so to go back to like the thing of it, the Steph of it and what we were talking about at the beginning. Steph Curry. Yeah, Steph Curry is uh, you can play loose. Like that's allowed. Yeah. And I think in a a weird way, I also think the art form, culture and art needs that now. Yeah, I think that's true. There was this moment, I, you know, I I think between 2015 to say like even just this past year where, uh, Art in and of itself was put on this pedestal of like, yeah. it can be a form of resistance. It can be a form uh, to to subvert power structures and all these things. And I think we've all lived through the varying degrees of you do that and you can do these very sanctimonious presentations about its importance. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you're also squelching any fun of it. Or, yes. Or also, that's not the only way to be subversive or interesting. You're making the same point as the movie Tar. Sure, yeah, 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 totally, totally. <laughs> yes, I, I don't know the point of the movie Tar. <laughs> I don't know the point no, of the movie it, Tar. No, it, it traffics in this uh, topic a little bit, but yeah. no, you're absolutely right. I think that there's a, there's a degree to which people just want to laugh. They just want to have a good time at the theater. Mm-hmm. Just want to have a good time at the movies. Yeah. I mean, Barbie making a billion dollars is a good example of that. Of course, there is a subversion to that. Right. But right. on its face, it's also right. very, very funny. And by the way, like this is a this is a lesson like for me. So I'm gonna apply this to me. I think my um my work would be more interesting if it was that. So this current show that I'm doing. The new hour you're talking about. The new about, hour that I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'll start taking it to bigger theaters very, very shortly. Um, but one of the guys who opened for me, he said this to me privately backstage where he was like, hey, it still doesn't have like that, like big, like Hassan Minhaj, like point yeah. at the end. Like our, I'm, I'm waiting for the, the point. And I'm like, you know, I don't think that some of the themes that I'm exploring have this clean, like yeah. bow tie and it's all, it's all done now. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Yeah. Yeah, I'm touring with an hour right now that doesn't have a, a main event. It doesn't have a thing we're going towards. Yeah. Uh, but that's fun too. Like yeah. I think that all, like, yeah. like comedy, stand-up comedy is great in all versions of itself when the person right. who's on stage cares about what they're talking about, even right. if it's 10 different things. Like, yes. Like my thing is like with a new hour, when you're doing a new hour, like, I'm interested in what are you personally obsessed with? I'm always thinking about what am I obsessed with? Right now, uh-huh. I'm sort of obsessed with like my daughter's eight. And like, uh-huh. I remember I remember now being eight. Wow, that's crazy. Like I used to be, like, I remember when she was a baby. Yeah. It's kind of like, <laughs> I have a joke about this. It's like, yeah. when you have a baby, it's like an animated sack of rice. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And then it's like a person yeah. who's like, dad, I'd like to have dinner now. 
You're like, oh, <laughs> shit. Wow. Like, I got to, like, figure out how to teach her yeah. stuff. So Una's in the third grade. Yeah, she, rising third grader. Dude, I remember. That's crazy because I do remember the third grade. I remember Ramona. So do I. Ramona Quimby, age eight. Like, oh I remember, my God. like, my crushes in third grade. Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, totally. You remember your teacher? You remember the remember, movies you saw oh, when you were eight? yeah. That is crazy. Yeah, I mean, so so now, I that's my, my, my current obsession on stage is, like, what was I thinking about in third grade and what is my experience with her uh-huh. now and my relationship with my parents when I was th- a kid and what's my relationship with my parents now and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, my question to you is like, what's your obsession? Like, what do you think, what do you think about a lot that you bring on stage? Right now, it's kind of deciphering and I'm kind of working on it through the new show is, uh, <laughs> this is gonna sound so weird to say, but trauma and pettiness. Okay. Like, I'm a very petty person. I'm all about it. Like, um, one of the opening jokes that I have is, like, really fucked up. And sometimes people are like, what? One of my favorite things in New York City to do is watching other couples argue in public. Oh, I love it. I fucking love it. And I love it more when my wife is with me. Yes, yes. Like, there's this weird thing where I'm like, they're losing. They won't advance to the sweet 16. Absolutely. We move on in emotional March Madness. No, it's it's in New in, in in New York City. You get it all the public breakups. Like this is the Paris of public breakups. No, you're absolutely right. Joe and I have been talking about this lately in relation to divorces. Your friends get divorced. Yeah, and you do like a divorce autopsy with your wife. You go, yeah, they didn't communicate. We we communicate. Yes, yeah, so like, like right now we're communicating. Right, yeah. right, right. So what is so? Then I was like, there's no word for this in the English language. The like the explicit joy you get in the suffering of others. There's only a yeah. German word for it. Right, Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have it. Schadenfreude, yeah. <laughs> Here it's just, I guess, gossip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like we have American Schadenfreude, which is not only, obviously it's so German to like enjoy the suffering of others, but we also have this like other thing in America that we love, which is like, I call it like hate and ass energy, which is- <laughs> Hate and ass energy. Just hate and ass, <laughs> just mouth breathing ass. <laughs> It's the the explicit hatred in other people's joy. Mm. I'm exploring that, like that just, you know what I'm talking about. It's just like the way we talk shit oh, in the green room. forget about Just hating ass, mouth breathing ass, jealous. But I'm obsessed with like, why am I thinking this way? Why am I doing this? I have this thing where I'm like starting the joke where I'm like, so like, uh, so I was just like, yeah, yeah, we're in like, you know, we, we, we do couples therapy and I go like, is it wrong that I try to win? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I did this in front of like Roy, uh, Roy Wood Jr. who's fucking hilarious. And Roy was like, bro, like don't, you don't like, good luck with your marriage if you're going to do that. But I'm like, but I, oh it's, my God. it's like, I'm telling you, dude, I feel like they double team me. Yeah. Like it will have 60 minutes on the shot clock and they'll be like, so how are we doing? And I'll be like, I think we're doing great. How are we doing? And then it'll just be like, and then with like three minutes left, they'll be like, do you have anything to say? (laughs) You know, I want to explore that. Yeah. The, the subtext of why am, why am I doing this? Like, why do I feel this way that like, do you know what I mean? Why do I feel like I have to defend myself in that way? Or why do I, you know? Yeah. No. And I, I have a line in my show right now where I said my, my love language is keeping score. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And it's similar because it's like, I think about, I mean, because if you think about it, like a majority of my time is with my wife and my daughter. Like, right. It's probably 80% plus yes. of my time. Your time with being and your kids is probably like 80% of your time. Yes. 
And it's like, it becomes, and I wonder with you, like, how do you, how do you draw the line of like, well, that actually is one step too far. Similar to the Obama thing, except it's with your own life. Uh, did we talk about this? But what I will do, and and this is where I just give like uh, Pina just so much props. She lets me be me, mm-hmm. but she does not put constraints on that. Yeah. And basically her, her her rule is like, I'll let, you can let it fly at, yeah. at the cellar at these like small shows. Yeah. Before it goes to Netflix <laughs> yes, or yes. Like, can you show me the doc? Can you show me the Google yeah. doc of what's about to go live? Yeah. Or like before it goes goes to, let's say the Chicago theater, like big theaters. She'll be like, can I just see what you're kind of saying? But yeah. she's never pumped the brakes on the experience exploration yeah. phase of it. But then like, I'll show it to her. I'll be like, is there anything that you feel like I should change or feels like mean-spirited? Or is there like a blind spot that I'm having where you could just like dunk on me here? Well, that's what I yeah. find is like yeah. when I run stuff by Jen, more often than not, she'll point out something yeah. that is true uh-huh. also, uh-huh. <laughs> but is uh, contrary to what I'm saying. Yeah. Because uh, because the best jokes are, I think, multi-point uh, of view. Yeah. So, like, there was something that we were chatting about, and I'm like, oh, I got to figure this out. Like, we were, we were chatting, and I go, hey, Bean, have you ever felt, this is, like, the, the thing I was trying to talk about was, like, being, um, being in trouble in your relationship. Yeah like a feeling that you get like, oh, fuck, I'm in trouble. Like, fuck, I'm in trouble. And um, I have this whole chunk about like in therapy, uh, therapist asked me like, what's your, a lot of people like you that are like first generation immigrants, you have this thing called like good boy syndrome. You mm. feel like you want to make everybody happy. You have like your family, you're sending money overseas to cousins and stuff. You have your brother-in-law, sister-in-law, you have all these things. But good boys sometimes are like hiding a kink. Mm. There's something inside them that they're not sharing. Yeah. Like, like what's your kink? And I'm just like, I don't know, like acceptance, you know, like my biggest kink would be like if, you know, you know, just my dad came up to me and was just like, no one's mad at you anymore. Oh you my know? God. Anyway, so there's that that idea. That's but, a great one. Yeah. So I like, love that. I'm just working on that, right? And then, No one's mad at you anymore. anymore. Yeah. No, I have the same thing. Yeah, like you're just not in I, trouble. And then I, I was talking to Bean about this. She's like, really, are you going to do a kink joke? And I'm like, <laughs> I, I, it, it, it may or not, may not make it in. But I was just like, I was like, have you ever felt, I go, Bean, have you ever felt like you're in trouble my whole life? From the moment I was leaving the house when I was at UC Davis and I was 19 to go to the punchline or, to, or, you know, to Tommy T's or to go do the open mics. Yeah. I would like sneak out and I'm like, fuck, I'm going to get back at 10.38 p.m. and I'm going to be in trouble. Yeah. I'm going to be in trouble. I have yeah. to plug this hole sometime. So I'm like, I, I feel like everything that I've done has the majority of my adult life has been some sort of burden. Like, yeah. oh, fuck, he's doing the thing that he's doing, right? Yeah. Um, I go, have you ever felt like you're in trouble with me? Yeah. And she's like, no. And I'm like, that's so interesting. That's great. It's funny because like when you're saying the whole, am I in trouble thing? And Jen and I have this conversation a lot of like, she'll she'll be like, am I in trouble for this? Or are you mad at me for this? And it's like, it actually is rarely true. Oh, yeah. I find that like uh, like most times that she'll say something like that, I'm like, no. <laughs> like, but also there's, I, I think there's, it's more like there's an accumulation of um, you know each other. And Gaffigan and I were talking about this the other day yeah. on the podcast. It was like, you know the person so well yeah. that you can just squash them if you choose right. to. And right. so as a result, 
person in some ways has so it's such a perverse amount of power over you. Uh-huh. That's your you guys both are Oppenheimer in this situation. <laughs> yeah. You have your emotional Manhattan project. Yes. Yeah, mutually assured destruction. Yes. Sure. sure. But don't you think? Yeah, totally. Would your did your parents ever apologize to each other? Like have you seen your Not that I've seen. I will call him. Isn't that crazy? I'll follow up. But I don't think so. No. You never I, you never witnessed your father say to your mother, I'm I'm sorry. Or no. vice versa. No, although there's things about my dad that, you know, I'm working on a joke right now about how when I was a kid, my dad would shout, uh, all you want me to do is send the check. <laughs> just send the check. And I remember as a kid just thinking like, dad's crazy. Dang. And now I'm a grown up with a wife and child. I'm like, I know what he means about that. You know what I mean? Like, right. like he's not wrong about the yeah. check. Like, so there are these moments you'll have of like, um, this ties to the Obama interview of like real emotional honesty. And I've come up to you after shows where I'm like, dude, that's so great that you're doing that. Oh, you thanks. had You had this joke and I so thought you were going to change it in your last special about, I understand why some dads decide to leave. Why some dads leave, yeah. Some dads leave. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Go, I understand, I'm, you're not saying it's right. I'm not going to do it, Yeah, but you I don't get condone it. it, but yeah. you're like, I can see that. And I could see how the you can intellectually analyze that joke and be like, don't do that. Yeah. It, could, it could be considered cruel. It can be, there's all these other tabs that it opens up. Yeah. But what I loved about the joke and you keeping that joke is don't, don't, don't page A8 of the New York Times. <laughs> don't opinion, like. <laughs> well, don't, you know, and it's yeah, don't yeah. write this like there's going to be a comment section. Yeah. That's not what comedy, comedy's not for a comment section. Sure. Yeah, correct. Correct. Because the New York Times comment section is actually pretty good. Oh, oh, it's Sometimes sometimes I go like, oh, this this is as good as the article. Oh, let's dive in. (laughs) (laughs) Take me to page A8 opinion article. I'm like, okay, this is the hot take comments. Because what's great about that is that like that's being cross-checked, by the way, by New York Times readers. By New York Times readers. Again, so that's like coastal liberal elites being like, okay, 324 comments just of relative sanity. I find them to be thoughtful. uh, Yeah, very, very like thoughtful. (laughs) Relatively thoughtful, sometimes more than the writer. Right, correct, correct. You know what I mean? Like some of them are like, yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, and so uh, at times- what I loved about it is there can be this obsession with what you are saying as if it's congressional testimony yeah. versus you know what I mean. Yeah, no, it's it's so, it's dance so it's dance like no one's on watching. What I mean. yeah. It's dance like no one's watching. Yeah. Except it's uh write comedy like there's no comment section. Correct. Correct. It's like, but but you're right. Like but I the think, soul of it. And I appreciate you keeping the soul and the smudge of it in. Well, it funny. is an emotional smudge. Well, it's funny because I yeah, I say in that special, I go, you know, for the first of my life first time in my life, I thought I get why dads leave. I'm not gonna do it. That's why I'm comfortable saying it, but I get it. And it's like there were like a handful of people who were like, that's a, a, that's a bridge too far. Yeah. But it was way, way outbalanced by yes. people who said that yeah. was very moving to me particularly people whose dads left. Wow. That, wow. Was the, that was the most moving part of that whole experience. Totally. And so you also talk about another thing that I like. I thought that was great that you kept in the special. And I'm like, keep this, please. Please, for the love of God. You talk about this, your experience going to the red light district. Oh, right? yeah. yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then you finish the story by being like, am I in the way? Like, 
I think I'm a good guy. <laughs> yes. You know? And I think I'm decent. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think I'm decent. Yeah, yeah. And what's really beautiful about that is like, you can intellectualize that move and be like, I already know how this is gonna get picked apart and how I could lose the audience yeah. or I could lose a reviewer. Yeah, for sure. And so what you start to do is you lose, what that does is you lose these like core soul moments that make the show great. Human beings, I think, are allowed to be messy, petty, complicated, uh, not great. Yeah, sure. Make bad decisions. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. I know. And, and I, I would I, say that that part of it is actually meeting the current, needs to meet the current moment that 2023, 2024 and beyond needs more than ever. Well, I think honestly, like, I think this segues into uh, what I would, if we were off air, I would ask you sure. and I would ask myself too, is sure. like, what do you think maybe in your next hour that you're going to crack into that's a flaw of your own that maybe you don't have a joke for yet, but maybe it's just something that you think about sometimes like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is kind of what makes me not a good boy for, to use your words. Totally. Probably the the pettiness. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So in other words, like the pettiness of you looking at other couples and being like, they're not like us. Yeah, and all these like little things where I have to have, I mean, one of the things that I talk about in the show is I was like, yeah, I I know there's something clearly wrong with me. One of my most seminal pieces of work is a 70-minute show that I wrote about a girl who wouldn't go to prom with me. (laughs) And I wrote that show when I was 30. Right. That's fucking insane. Right. That is so... I mean, that's, I mean, we are full Drake Petty here. I mean, we're Petty <laughs> King. Right? Petty. Yeah, this is like nuts. Yeah. How could you, why, what, what is wrong with you? Yeah. And so it's stuff, stuff like that, that I, that I think is, you know, or like even, you know, we've been, I've been doing these shows with Ronnie where both me and him will be on stage and we'll, we'll roast each go other. Go at each Huston other. Hustin versus Ronnie, yeah. Ronnie versus Hustin, or Hustin hates Ronnie, Ronnie hates Hustin. <laughs> and we'll just go at each other. And people will be like, whoa, this is like unhinged behavior. What's the thing he says to you that you're like, that actually hurts? Is there anything? Oh, wow. I mean, he said one that just bodied me. I asked him, uh, uh, I think he got invited to uh, Chappelle's summer camp. And I said this on stage, I go, so we're basically airing out our grievances as friends. And I go, Ronnie, I asked you if I could go to summer camp with you. You know what I mean? And if I could be your plus one and go with you. And you, you were like, oh, I'm going to bring Hannah instead or whatever. And then he goes, sorry, like Dave wants to hang out with funny people, not people that do PowerPoint. Oh, my God. And it fucking destroyed. Oh, my God. It destroyed. So it wrecked funny. the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, they, they're not going to have a PowerPoint like projector in Yellow Springs, Ohio. You can't teach us, you can't show us like a, a bell curve of like, like a bell curve of democracy or whatever. And he's like, yeah, we, they, he just wants to be with funny people. And he's fucking, Ronnie is roast in, in the crowd is going crazy. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. I, you know, and it was just, I was crushed. What's the biggest challenge in your life on a day-to-day basis? What's the thing where you're like, I just can't find the time to blank? I mean, it the is your joke, man. Is the you have this joke about parenting where you it's not winning, surviving is winning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, man, like I'll give you just an example, a hard example this week. Um, 
I have to help my daughter with her homework. She has these like little like homework packets that she does. And my son really wanted me to, he's, so I have a five, five and a half year old daughter and then a three and a half year old son. And he's into basketball now. Like he wants to play basketball. Oh. He's, he sometimes walks by the park and like sees some of like the boys playing basketball. Um, and uh, my wife was like, he really wants to play. Like you should take him to go play now. Yeah. When I tried to take him when he was a little bit younger, it was just too much. Like the ball's bouncing way above his, he's, it, the rim's too high. It's just sure. all too much. Sure. But he kind of like wants to like bounce the ball with both hands. Yeah. Now I could see him. And just this week I was supposed to take him to go do that. But he's, he's dually conflicted because he's really into trucks and sand right now. Yeah. So he was in the trucks and sand and then I went to go do that. And then I'm like leaving to go do this podcast and earlier this afternoon being asked me like, hey, have you taken him to go play basketball this week? You yeah. said you'd take him to go play basketball this week. And I'm leaving for the road tomorrow. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, fuck, I haven't. I have the ball. Like I have the little Franklin yeah. small kid size wow. rubber basketball. Yeah the tiny one and just like, we didn't get around to doing it and it breaks my heart. And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, I am a bad dad. And you're not, I mean, I think- But I like bought the ball from Ace Hardware. Yeah. Like there's an Ace Hardware down the street. Like have it in my, the trunk. Like I'm like, all right, let's, we're gonna go do it. Yeah. But I got caught up doing his other things. What's, but I didn't do the thing. I didn't do yeah. the memory, the core memory. I didn't do it. Right. But what's, I think about this all the time with Una because I'm just like, I could be with her right now. I, yeah. I could be downstairs. Yeah. We could be making a puzzle. Yes. You know, yeah. we could be watching the tennis documentary. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but ultimately, then you think back to your own childhood and you're like, oh, well, actually, like a lot of my core memories were just being with my friends or being alone. I know, dude. <laughs> and then there's this thing of like, by the way, talking about the theme of being in trouble. This is like, I, I'm like, fuck, I'm in trouble. Not with her. I'm talking about like, I'm in trouble. Like, dude, am I a bad dad, am I not pouring everything into this guy? Because what I what I mean by that is that like, I should have at some point, I don't know if I could, I'm Monday morning quarterbacking here, but like um, he's obsessed with chicken nuggets right now. Like he'll just <laughs> eat chicken nuggets. So I'd like cut, I'll get these chicken and I'll chop, chop them, a nugget into four. Yeah. But this dude will just fist them and wolf them down. But what I could have done, and we were watching like something on PBS or whatever, like PBS Kids or whatever. What I could have done after we finished, I was like, let's just sit down and watch this. I, sometimes I'll take a layup. Yeah. Like if I see an easy path to basket, I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, you just like wolf down these nuggets. And like, now you want to watch this for 30 minutes. I get to like sit and kind of like, I can take a quick power nap on the thing with you. Yeah. Fuck yeah, let's do it. Yeah. But I totally could have been like, hey, let's go like yeah. to the park and like, let's go shoot. But I didn't. Yeah. I took like an easier way out. And now that, I'm I'm guilty. I'm going to be gone Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And I'm like, fuck, I could have done that. And am I a ba bad dad because of that? You're not. I mean, like, man, we've had a we had we've had a tricky summer cuz Shuna, this is a bit that I was trying to do last weekend, but it's like she we took her to a birthday party at yeah. this place called Urban Air. You yeah. ever heard of these places? Uh, the, the trampoline places, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. totally. Like a big warehouse, like yeah, forty yeah. trampolines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like the <laughs> and you play dodgeball on them, and yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah, like, they give you this form to sign uh -huh. when you walk in, and it's like all the worst things that could happen. Yeah. It's like, and they and all your, ki your kid gets paralyzed. <laughs> I've read it. It's fucking crazy. And it's crazy. And dude. it all happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the stuff happens. Uh -huh. um, but she broke her foot at this thing. Una broke her foot. At yeah, awful. Oh awful. no. 
And then uh, the one thing that's not in those forms is that you, you, know, you actually can talk about it on your podcast. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Got it, but you can't sue them. But you, you can't sue them, yeah, but you yeah, can yeah. mention it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can mention that some unpleasant. You can monetize it on YouTube. Right? Yeah, yeah. Got exactly. it, understood. But yeah, like, yeah. she, uh, but I had a funny thing the other day where I'm forming it into a joke. Sure. Long term, but it's like, she was in a cast for like four weeks and it was like, it was because a kid jumped in, a boy jumped in front of her. And sure. It could have been anybody, but she said to me, she goes, dad, boys are terrible. And I said, you're absolutely right. And it's not even for the reasons you're thinking. <laughs> oh, that's a great joke. <laughs> that's a phenomenal joke. And then I started explaining the patriarchy yeah, 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 and she yeah, kind of sure. like lost interest. Sure. <laughs> okay. But yeah. That's great. A lot of my stuff right now is like figuring out like, yeah. honestly, like it's my life struggle of like, what, what do I have to teach? What can I teach? Right, you know, right. she's she's going to go through all the stuff the yeah. kids go through, and yeah. I have to explain it as best I can. There is this store. So this summer, um, there have, have you guys done Disneyland yet? No. Okay. So my eldest, she's definitely Disneyland age. Okay. What I I this is my take. I think prime Disneyland age, and there's going to be some Disney adults that get mad at me, but <laughs> let's not even get into that. Yeah, yeah. That's the I, comment section. Forget I think, about that. I think them. it's five to eight. I think it's when you look at Mickey, you don't think it's just like there's a sweaty dude wearing a Mickey costume. That's very astute. And it's five to eight that yes. you're like, and I, I remember when I met the cast of Tailspin when I, in second grade, I'm seven, and I still went up and hugged them. I met Chip and Dale and like danced with them. And I wasn't thinking, oh, there's a junior in high school dancing with this me right now. This is a great observation. Okay. As soon as you get to fourth or fifth grade, yeah. you can see in Mickey's eyes, you're like, there's a person in there. <laughs> there's like a dehydrated guy who's going to be chugging Pedialyte. You know what I mean? <laughs> as soon as this is over. You see like the humanity in there. I'm but, choking on yeah, ice right but my, now. But my daughter, when she met Fantasia Mickey, there's mm -hmm. this great photo I'll share. I'll show you it. She hugs Mickey and she closes her eyes. So she's just like, she, she gets on her knees and she hugs Mickey like this. You know what I mean? And... She really believes she met Mickey Mouse. It was like the yes. most beautiful yeah. thing ever. And what's beautiful, again, about the experience, everybody there at Disneyland, I mean, it is racially diverse, economically diverse, politically di diverse. You got fucking MAGA there. You got Antifa. Everybody's there. Oh, yeah. All the, all the park oh, goers. Oh, dude. Yes. Every, the star of the show is not Democrats, Republicans, Blacks, Whites, Rich, poor. It's It is, we are here to see Lightning McQueen and Mickey and all the characters. Never thought characters. about that. Oh, yeah. We're here for a common vision, which is joy. Yeah. Like we're here for unbridled joy yeah. and fantasy. Yeah. Okay. And we want my kid to be able to experience that. Yeah. And it's a very beautiful thing. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of criticism of Disney and corporate. I, yes, full agreement. I'm talking about just the idea of unbridled joy and fantasy yeah. of that. Very beautiful. But there was this moment where you go to California Adventure and there's this thing in Cars Land where you actually do the like Lightning McQueen racetrack. Yeah. Okay. You got to wait in line. It's like two hours. It's a lot. And everybody there is humbled by, it's really beautiful. I was just like, I'm fucking tired. My back hurts. I'm in cargo pants. But then this guy's in cargo pants too. And we're just in cargo pants with our fucking hats and our sunglasses and like the sunblock and just like <laughs> chugging water with a backpack. And we are all humbled by life. Yes. Like right in that moment, just life is straight up humbling us. But the, there's this family in front of us. They get to the ride and the ride is really fast. And one of the kids, he's like six. You have to be taller than 42 inches to ride the ride. He doesn't want to get on the ride. And we've been waiting, mind you, like an mm. hour and 40 minutes. And the mom turns around and she's like, Brendan, 
Brendan, this is your chance. And then she looks at him and she goes, we're not coming back. Oh no. You know? And in the moment that like the kid like looks at me and the joke, I'm like, you know, like you're not coming back. (laughs) (laughs) You are not. Get on the ride. Oh my God, dude. Because just do the mental math. 150 that. a ticket. There was fucking you're six not of back. you. Bro. I, yeah, yeah. Bro, and, you're and, not coming back. And they're back. from Cincinnati. So I was like, not even direct flight. You're not fucking coming back. <laughs> Get on. Get on. Get on right now. Dude, that is a great and, joke. But it was like this allegory for life. Yes. No, absolutely. Dude, I had this thing. And it's like one of my dreams. And why, like, I when I met you, I was just like, fuck, I met you or I met Mulaney. Like, or Dimitri Martin, again, as a kid growing up in Davis, you guys did Conan. Mm. And on my Vimeo page, there's like Hassan Minhaj Conan submission V8.mov. Oh like, so I kept sending it to- V8. V8. Oh, I love it. V8, and there's heartbreaking ones. Version you, eight for, version the, eight. for the viewers at yeah. home. So you, but you can check the views and some oh. of them are still sitting at zero. For real? Yeah, so they weren't opened. And then when Conan ends, I was like, oh, fuck, I never got to you do- You gotta send it to Conan. Conan. I never got to do Conan. You should- Well, I, I can't. I can't subvert it because now when, you know how Conan has his pod, Conan O'Brien needs oh, friends. right. But all of his friends are people that have done Conan. Oh my God, that's so funny. For the most part. No, you should ask to go on that podcast because yeah. he would love that story. Yeah. He would be so, that would make him so happy. Yeah, yeah. But that story that I lived through and I never get to do Conan. I mean, and, I and this was to do, do stand up on Conan. Five minutes. Okay, five minutes yeah. on Conan. yeah. That's, oh, I love that. You got to go yeah. on Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend and tell that yeah. story and then play. The dream, <laughs> the dream. The dream. And what? then you walk out. Uh, or, well, it's funny because. And I still remember the like the purplish, glittery, sort of weird backdrop. Oh my God. Like, yeah, it was the dream. It's on, and I would see the videos on MySpace. I'd go, whoa. Like, yeah. Kumail Nanjiani was on Conan. Oh my God, yeah. That must be so fucking cool. Maybe, you'll, maybe you could weigh in on this because, I, because I've been telling from my girlfriend's boyfriend, show i've yeah. been recently retelling this story about going on the scrambler which is a ride at the carnival yeah and how when i was like in seventh grade i asked this girl to go on the carnival with me and i thought it was gonna be my first kiss and then yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I basically end up like going on the scrambler and i throw up on the scrambler and it ends up on this yeah on this special and and uh and it's a fun story to tell but i've been this from one of your early albums yeah, yeah. right yeah, from yeah. my girlfriend's boyfriend yeah, yeah, yeah. Like 2011 or something like that yeah. and I've been telling that story on stage lately because I've been thinking about it in relation to like, Una's eight years old, she's in third grade. And like, you know, like like we're starting to tell her about, you know, drugs and sex and grown up stuff. And uh-huh. I, I, but but I have this, but I tell the scrambler story yeah. in the context of like flashing back to my own childhood. Right. And I've been just thinking about the idea of calling my show uh, Please Stop the Ride because that's what I say to the scrambler operator. go, please stop the ride because uh-huh. I know I'm going to throw up. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but I've just been thinking a lot about lately how when you're a kid, your life is a lot like a ride. You don't feel like you can make many choices. Uh-huh. Or at least I did. Really? I always felt, yeah, I always felt like you have to show up to school. You gotta leave at three o'clock. Mm. You gotta go to the program. You gotta go to wow. camp in the summer, whatever it is. My view on it's so different. Oh, yeah, but then, but then my, but then where it's going is that when you grow up, weirdly, uh, my experience is I still feel like I'm on the ride. I still feel like I, I can't 
quite do exactly the thing I want to do. Right. I feel I got to make the flight. I got to be in Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. I got to be in Austin, you know. Yeah. And, and not that I don't See, I feel love that, that part feel, of it. It's not that I don't love it and feel gratitude for it, but I'm also sometimes like, oh my God, can I can I get off the ride for uh, a moment? You know, like there's this great line, Kate Berlant was on the podcast recently and she goes, <laughs> she goes, life, she goes, it's crazy when you realize that life is consecutive. Oh, wow. Like, That's oh, great. Isn't that great? Yeah. But she's so right. Yeah. Life is consecutive. Yeah. So I'm, I feel like I'm grappling with that recently. Oh, yeah. So to me, the thing that I think about the most is like, even when you were on the Scrambler as a kid, just I just felt this as a kid, like there's this like unsigned rapper energy of like, you motherfuckers just wait till I get the fuck out of here. Like then it's on. Because a kid is all possibility. The sun is rising. When you mean when you're on the ride? What? I'm talking when about- When you're a kid. When you're a just kid. Just kid at all. When you have to go to that camp that you don't want to go to. Yeah. Or they take you to your aunt's place and you don't want to be there. Right. You're like, just wait. Just wait till my, my time is my own. Someday. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Your, your every debut rapper's first album. Just <laughs> your, your Get Rich or Die Trying. Your 50 Cent's debut. Just fucking wait. You are the Marshall Mathers LP. Just fucking wait till I get signed. Just wait till I get out of this fucking house. Wow. It's on. The sun is rising. It's yeah. you, you are all possibility. The same reason why, like, if I meet Una or if you meet my daughter or my son, what could they be? That he could be an improviser. He Absolutely. could be a doctor. He could be an engineer. He could be. He could be anything. There's all these possibilities. What's crazy is as you get older, the sun is starting to set. It's true. Doors are are closing, and there is no going back. You're absolutely right, Brandon. Get on the fucking ride. We're not get coming on the ride. back. You're not, you're not coming back. I'm never doing Conan. It's not happening. But let's scale, let's do this at scale. I never got to do a Comedy Central half hour. Yeah. It was a dream. I was like, oh man, and they write your name and right. big on the back. There are things that you will want in life that you do not get. And it the, the losses become bigger. This, a loved one gets cancer. Oh, yeah. A, a parent dies. Yeah. The, the door's closed. You're, you're burying dad in the ground. Dirt. You're throwing dirt on it. Tombstone. It's over. And those things become realer. Like, as you get older. And I'm feeling that more. It is not an intellectual game. It is a feeling thing. Of like, dude, my mom had her second knee replaced. Oh, man, she needs to take her diabetes medication. I am watching them enter this part of their life yep. where I have to parent them. And this is very weird. And also what, what I've realized is like- And doors are closing. Your right. memories and doors of that are closing. The way I think about it sometimes is, is so many of my dreams have come true. Mm -hmm. But when your dreams come true, you realize that they never happened the way you thought they were going to. Yeah, true. And, and, and because your dream from 2001 is not is not what it looks like in 2023. Right. Because the whole world changes. The thing that you thought that you could do totally. is a 180 from what yeah. it was. Is that what your Letterman set was? Where you're like, I, I'll do Letterman and it'll change everything. And then it, it doesn't. Yeah. And you're like- You wake up the next day and you go, oh yeah, uh, yeah. still broke. Still trying, <laughs> yeah. to, still trying yeah. to figure out how to pay yeah. my rent. Yeah. yeah. So like that is what adulthood has felt like to me. Yeah. I felt like these just- the, the these doors kind of closing. Yeah. Or I can now sense doors closing. Yeah. Even in my body. Sometimes I'll sit on the couch, like I'm going back to Sacramento next week 
And sometimes I'll sit on the couch. My dad is 72. And then my son is like two and I'm 37. So I'm like the half, I'm the Rihanna halftime show. But, you know. And they're both on like two ends of the couch, like on the iPad, doing the same thing, being like, eh, like they're both angry at the iPad. And I'm just in the middle. Oh, I love this. But I'm hurtling towards this. I'm hurtling towards, towards not your father. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. And so like, I'm just like kind of like sitting there in between them. I love that like, visually, by the way. I'm just like, okay, it's going this way. Yeah. And you know, my dad, my his body type and my body top is very similar. So when I look at that, I'm like, this is where it's going, buddy. Right. Like, it's good. It, it, this is the way it's going to end. Yeah. What are you doing in between? In the, that? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh my god. And that's where I feel so bad. Where I'm like, fuck, we didn't play basketball this week. <sighs> Oof. That's going to do it. It's getting too heavy. Um, <laughs> this is getting I, like so I real. love it though. I love it. No, really? I, are you kidding me? This, this is my favorite part. This is my favorite part. <laughs> this is not very funny. No, this I love this, sad, and I, I think this. <laughs> I hope this is what your next hour is about. Yeah, stuff like this. Yes. Support for Working It Out comes from Viore. Viore is a clothing company that draws inspiration from the coastal California lifestyle. I was thrilled that they were willing to be a sponsor because I could just talk about how soft and comfortable their clothing is all the time. I mean, I'll read the stuff they told me to say. It's uh, It inspires others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it does that. But also, my experience is just very, very comfortable. Viore offsets 100% of their carbon footprint. And since 2019, they've also offset 100% of their plastic footprint. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off. Ooh, that's good. Your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable, versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash burbigs. That's viore.com slash burbigs. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping. What? Free shipping on any U.S. orders over 75 bucks and free returns. That's viore.com slash burbigs. Discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Hey, friends. This is a little shout out to my cats, Precious and Mr. Mustache. This ad is, is for them. Those are my two cats. I love my pets. I know you love your pets, too. And today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. They offer customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you and me to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are, because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash WIO for working it out. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash WIO. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash WIO. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance.
So, okay, the final thing we do is working out for our cause. Is there a nonprofit that you like to support and we will plug them on here and donate to them and link them in the show notes? Um, one uh, nonprofit that I love, um, I'm going to plug the the nonprofit that my wife works for, Vituity Cares Foundation. Oh, nice. great, yeah. We will, I will donate to them. I'll link to them in the show notes. Encourage folks to contribute as well. Yeah. Um, Hassan, congratulations on everything. Like you're just crushing in so many ways and crushing Thanks, as a dad. I'm, so you're it, saying I'm not in trouble. You're yeah. not in trouble. Not in trouble. We're lucky to have you. Thank you, man. You are the Steph Curry of comedy. Oh, dude, that's not even true. But I appreciate it. Same height. It. Same height. Come on. There we go. Working it out because it's not done. Working it out. There's no That's going to do it for another episode of Working It Out. I love talking with Hassan. You can watch his special, The King's Jester, on Netflix. You can watch his interview with Barack Obama on YouTube, which is where you can also watch this interview right now. Um, you can follow Hassan on Instagram at Hassan Minhaj, H-A-S-A-N-M-I-N-H-A-J. And check out Burbigs.com, sign up for the mailing list. Be the first to know about uh, upcoming shows, like I said, Vancouver, Seattle, Portland, Walla Walla, Boston, um, all kinds of exciting stuff, and of course, London. All of that on Burbigs.com. Our producers are myself, along with Peter Salamone and Joseph Burbiglia. Associate producer Mabel Lewis, consulting producer Seth Barish, assistant producer Gary Simons, sound mix by Ben Cruz, supervising engineer Kate Belinsky. Special thanks to Marissa Hurwitz and Josh Uffall, as well as David Raphael and Nina Quick. My consigliere is Mike Berkowitz. Special thanks to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music. Special thanks to my wife, the poet, Jay Hope Stein. You can follow her on Instagram at, at Jay Hope Stein. Special thanks, as always, to my daughter, Una, who built the original radio fort made of pillows. And thanks to most of all to you, the listeners. If you're enjoying the show, rate us and review us. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. Maybe... You're waiting in line at Disneyland and and everyone is at their wits end and you just say, hey, you know what would really lighten the mood around here? A, a deep dive on how to deconstruct com- comedy. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.